All right. Welcome back, baby. This is the Detroiter Motor City on the Mitten State, the premier, the premier sports podcast, comedic driven sports podcast for the Motor City on the Mitten State. I had the intro down so fucking nicely last week, kind of stumbled through it there, but you get the point. Same shit. I'll work on it. We'll get better. This is only the third episode, believe it or not. I guess only third episode on this feed, but we're back. Couldn't be more excited to be back. I've been chomping at the bit for, what, seven days since the last time I came on to you over these same airwaves. I've been fucking chomping at the bit. I don't know how you could be a Detroit sports fan right now and not be chomping at the bit. There is so much good stuff to talk about. There's so much good stuff to talk about. There's so much good stuff that's happening that's about to happen to Detroit. It's a lovely time. It is a lovely time. And I got to say, when I first um, when I first decided to break off the feeds and do the Detroiter and the sports stuff separately of what I do on the Second String podcast, I was kind of nervous. Not only, I mean, obviously to see how it goes, but also like for myself. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean to be selfish, but I was nervous for myself. Like, shit, there's gonna be stuff that happens where if I'm doing the like if we're doing the once a week thing with the Detroiter, I'm gonna have to wait five days to talk about it. And that's the exact spot I found myself in today. I think um, I think Iserman and the Wings made that trade for Nedeljkovic like the day after or maybe the same day I aired last week's. Obviously, the Red Wings draft were a day away from Cade be- becoming a Piston. A lot of stuff's gone on and a lot of stuff where I could have talked about it for 20 minutes the day of, but here I here I am now. A week later, I had to fucking soak in it. I had to sit, ponder, collect my thoughts. And now I get to deliver the message. So I kind of like it, to be honest. It's interesting because on one hand, yes, when shit like that, any trade, any juicy news about Cade or whatever, even though all the Cade rumors are horseshit, anytime anything comes out, I'm just sitting in my family room like, fuck, should I just fucking go record a podcast anyway? Like, I want to, <laughs> am I supposed to see this stuff and not talk about it? How do I, I just got to wait six days till I can talk about it? That's unfair. But I kind of like it because coming into today, for instance, I am foaming at the mouth. I'm clean. I'm healthy. Been to the doctor recently. But proverbially, proverbially, yeah, right? Um, Foaming at the mouth to talk about Detroit sports. I It's a solo mission today. Spoiler alert. Solo mission, just me. Sorry or, or congrats or however you feel about that. But um, I'm excited to get into it. We're going to touch on pretty much everything. We're going to hit the wings. We're going to hit the Tigers, Pistons. We'll do a bit of Lions. Today Today will be the first. I mean, hey, we're in the last week of July. This feels like a pretty suited, suiting spot. to. We're not going to go too deep on the Cats, but dip the toe. Get you thinking about them. Get the wheels turning. Like, I just want to – let's just chat for maybe – I don't know. We won't spend too much on them, but I want to chat for a little. Just air out my thoughts, get my feelings out there. And then we'll do a little bit of MSU. Mel Tucker does not give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck if your name's Ohio State, Alabama. He said it this week at Big Ten Media Day. We're going to recruit your ass. We're going to build your ass into a, a fucking freak at MSU. Look at the strength and conditioning program that before and after pictures that are coming out. These guys, these guys don't even look like the same person, some of them. Or they look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator. And it's like, bro. These dudes were still in a Division One football program, doing a Division One strength and conditioning program before this. After these pictures, it's like these guys, like how were they playing D one football before 
and in those before pictures, how were they doing it? I don't understand that. So I'm excited to talk about everything. We're going to get into it, all of it. Obviously, probably a little more heavy on the wings today. A lot of shit has gone down with them since the last time I was on here. Um, and then, the, obviously, this is coming out Wednesday. So tomorrow, Cade's a piston, baby. Tomorrow is the fucking day that we have all been waiting for. The day, when was the lottery? Like, end of end of May, end of June? It feels like it was a year ago, to be honest with you. It feels like we've been in this limbo of like, oh, oh, Detroit. Detroit is interested in Jalen Green. Oh, oh, Detroit really likes what they see in Mobley. Like the rumor mill, what's Detroit going to do? Is Weaver going to trade? SGA in the sixth, all this and fucking rumor this, rumor that. It feels like we've been through that for a year now, even though it's only been like a month. Tomorrow is the day. Cade will be a piston. Um, I guess I will break my rule. Like if we trade the number one pick, I will do an emergency podcast. I'm going to do a video on my Twitter. Like I'm going to do everything, the whole ringer. How do you not talk about that the moment it happens? But we got a lot to get into. I must say, I'm, I'm bringing the heat today. I'm feeling good because there's so much good stuff to get into. Because as I've written, as I've talked about, as I feel like I say every day and I just can't get enough of it. It's, it's a golden era right now in Detroit as far as the sports goes. Like, things are happening that aren't bad. Imagine that to more teams or to multiple teams at once. Good things are happening. Red Wings, good shit's going down. Pistons, this is the best they've had, like, in 12 years. Tigers, we're going to say the Tigers, things are going well. They won eight straight. Granted, they're losing again tonight. They've lost their last four. <laughs> so water's finding its level very quickly as far as they're concerned, but they showed a flash. They showed a flash. That eight-game win streak was fucking electric. You could see, you could feel the fan base rallying around the team, like excited every night going into 7-10. People are talking about the Tigers. People are excited to watch the Tigers. This pitcher's playing well. Badoo's raking, Scope's raking. Like The Tigers are going to get thrown into that pile of like good shit's going down. And then the Lions, you know, it's tougher to say. They haven't had the on-field phase of things since Patricia, that fat fuck, got canned. But, but for the most part, like I, I, you got to say things are looking up for the Lions as well. New regime. All you hear out of Lions camp are these players praising them. Good stuff. The the vibe is better in the building. It's more positive. Guys are believing, even though maybe, maybe they shouldn't necessarily believe, believe in, in what they think they'll do. They are, which is a fucking great sign. They're buying into the coach. They're buying into what Campbell and Holmes want to do. Obviously, they drafted Sewell. They've got some pieces. They've got a couple of their guys they want in there. They've signed a few free agents. Like, this is this is the best things have been in this city for a very long time. So, obviously, that's got me fired up. But the weather in Michigan, it has been raining so much this summer. And I'll tell you, this week, if you don't live in Michigan, I don't know how many people listening live in Detroit or around or in other areas – for the people that don't live around Detroit, man, it the weather the last few days has been fucking perfect. Like the definition of why you tell your friends from out of state. Now, trust me, like the winter does blow, no doubt. But trust me, Michigan's fucking awesome. The last few days are exactly why you tell your friends that. It has been perfect. So the weather's got me fired up quite a bit as well. First things first, let's just get right into it. Um, I can't hold my tongue on the Red Wings any longer, so we have to start with them. I'm sorry. I got a good sh- good amount to talk about. First things first, Steve Eiserman. We go into last week, the Detroit Red Wings, Jonathan Bernier, UFA. What's going to happen with him? 
Grice, one year left on the deal, aged out, not necessarily a superstar, and depending on how who you talk to, kind of a liability. I don't mind them. Uh, tough to stop pucks when your defense and the team in front of you is dog shit. So I don't totally blame him. I think he's a fine goalie. Like he had his nights, he had his bad nights. It is what it is. But nonetheless, the situation in that was looking bleak for the Detroit Red Wings just a week ago. No youth, no promising prospects coming up through the system. I mean, if they don't get Bernier to resign, not even like a day one netminder, not even a day one starting goalie on the books. Like, that's a little concerning. And the guy that we might have on the books, they're both older dudes. So we're in the rebuild. We're a few years into it. You got to figure out a goalie. Look at Tampa. Back-to-back, Vasilevsky's a fucking animal. Tough to win the cup when you don't have good goaltending, let alone great goaltending. Steve Eiserman looked at it. He assessed the situation, and he did what Steve Eiserman does. He made Carolina an offer that they simply cannot refuse. Alex Nedeljkovic will be coming over from Carolina, and in return, the Wings give up Richard Ponick and a second-round pick in the draft that happened uh, Thursday last week. I love this trade for Detroit. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't love the trade for Detroit. You can talk to Carolina fans. You can talk to Red Wings fans. You can talk to just NHL fans. I don't think there's a living soul that doesn't love this trade for the Red Wings. It's one of those deals that right off the bat, you could see it on Twitter. You could hear it on podcasts. It gave a what's Carolina thinking reaction. Anytime, (laughs) anytime you've all played fantasy football, you've been following sports, you know the fucking drill. Anytime a team or two teams, I suppose, make a trade and people are saying, why the fuck did this one team do it? Generally means pretty good things for the t- the other team, in this case being the Red Wings. I love the trade. Uh, who doesn't love the trade? 25-year-old goalie Nadelkovich had an outstanding season in Carolina. They were, I'm surprised. I mean, you know, they ran into a buzzsaw that is Tampa, so tough nuts there. Carolina was a real solid squad. They beat the fuck out of the Red Wings a good number of times. Nadelkovich put up great numbers. Um, he was kind of, you know, an out-of-nowhere surprise that I think boosted their team probably beyond what they anticipated they'd do when the year started because, again, all they had was Mrazic, which, as Red Wings fans know, it's like, well, we'll see what happens tonight. We're either going to get the A Mrazic or the F Mrazic. Nadelkovich kind of came in, was a second guy, played real well, 25-year-old in his prime, Two years, signed a two-year deal for, I think it was three, three annually with the Red Wings. Beautiful move by Iserman. Beautiful move. I mean, the second-round pick, yeah, that blows, but is what it is. Like, if you want to acquire assets, you got to give up assets. That's the fucking name of the game, right? It, it, it's, it has to be done. And if you're going to give up a second-round pick and an aged-out, expendable, kind of nothing in Richard Ponick, and you're going to get a goaltender coming off a great season who's in his prime years, really just entering his prime years, probably got a little something to prove. You make that deal every time, especially especially looking at what the Red Wings goalie situation was. You make that deal every single time. Much like Iserman said, from the Carolina perspective, <laughs> I fucking love how Stevie, I love how in the press conferences he's just so smug. Much like Steve said, you, uh, you'd have to ask Carolina why they're comfortable making that trade. I don't really necessarily know why they're comfortable making that trade. Or no, wait, we gave a Ponic in the Letty deal, didn't we? Who'd we give for Nadelkovich? Was it just the pick? Regardless, I don't, I don't necessarily know why Carolina's comfortable making that deal. What I do know is this. 
I don't give a fuck why Carolina is comfortable making that deal. I don't care about Carolina at all. I don't care about them at all. It's like the or, uh, the Mark D'Antonio interview at Notre Dame. I don't care about Notre Dame. I care about the Spar- about the Spartans. I don't care about Carolina. I care about the Red Wings. Great move from Stevie. We get a goaltender in his prime. And word on the street. I don't want to – listen, I don't want to tease you guys and, like, make it out like I'm some big J journalist, like I have sources, but I'm about to drop the S word on you. I'm about to drop the S card. According to my sources, which are so – I love calling them sources – so illegitimate. I got a buddy, a source, I should say. I don't want to reveal his identity or her identity. I got a buddy who says – this Nadelkovich kid, Serb, by the way, unreal move. Anytime you can add a Serb to anything, fucking do it. Grew up in Ohio, uh, played on that Bell Tire team with Larkin. Word on the street, he, he's a Red Wings guy. Word on the street, he's wanted to play. He, like, he grew up rooting for the Wings. He's wanted to play for the Wings his entire life. And guess what? He just got moved to the Red Wings. So it, aside from the fact that he's a good goaltender coming off a very good season at a great age and a great price on two years, the guy wants to be in Detroit. The guy is like a, is a fucking what? I don't know what the word is, like a lifelong Red Wing fan. I don't know if anybody in the NHL will ever need extra motivation, but if this kid does, he's got it. I mean, you're with the hometown team. We're starting to climb out of a rebuild. We're starting to get to a phase where, hey, we could use some rock-solid goaltending night in and night out. We can use a guy in his mid-20s to really shore up the net for the next at least least two, obviously, with his contract, but like seven, eight, nine, ten years. Like, we can use a guy like that, Nadelkovich. We might not be great in year one for you, pal, but guess what? In two, three years from now, this Red Wings team in front of you is going to be damn good. LCA is going to be – it's going to be filled up most nights. Like, you're going to be playing for something most seasons. I love everything about the move. Again, don't totally understand why Carolina would do it. Like, why – Carolina, you're you're like a cup-contending team. Sure, you're probably not the odds-on favorite, but you're in the window. You got fucking studs all over the ice, and you're going to just dish one of your starting goalies, like probably your better starting goalie. And and it's because you didn't want to pay him three and a half a year. Like, that's a little questionable. If I was a Carolina fan, I would I would not be happy. I would not be happy. As a Red Wings fan, again, absolutely love it. So I love that move by Steve. Um, the draft was Thursday. Two picks in the first round. They traded up from 23 to 15 with the sixth pick, uh, defender Simon Edvinson. And with that 15th pick, they took Sebastian Cosa. Again, I know, obviously, there's the second, third, fourth, and so forth rounds. Don't really care about those. Don't really know anything about those guys. To be honest with you, I didn't really know shit about Cosa either. Um, My due diligence was only on the guys that we were projected to go for with that sixth pick. I like Edvinson. I know there's a lot of naysayers. I know there's a lot of people that are like, mm, huge risk, whatever. Whatever the case is, even if it is a huge risk, I like to pick. Let me address the risk people first. The, the people saying, oh, man, how could he do it? Like, he's such a big risk. You're in the rebuild. You need You need the sixth overall pick to be a hit. You need that guy to be something. You can't go risky. Let me address that first. If you're Steve looking at the Red Wings, like, we have some pieces, no doubt. We absolutely have some pieces on the blue line too. That's you can't argue that. But 
if you're looking at it from his eyes, if you want this team to take the next step to be a Stanley Cup team, which you do, otherwise what the fuck are we doing here? We're not here to just make the playoffs. We're here to win the goddamn thing. You got to take some swings. You got to you gotta swing for the fences here and there. If Simon Edmondson, sure, maybe his floor is a top six guy, okay, not great for the sixth overall pick. If his ceiling's like a Victor Hedman, the dude's 6'4", big fucking guy, grew up playing in Sweden. We know how Swedes play. We love Swedes in Detroit. If he hits, if he pans out and all of a sudden our top D pairing is a dominant Mo Sider and a dominant Simon Edmondson, now you're looking at a blue line that's headlined by two giants that can skate that are that are what going to be Norris Trophy candidates year in and year out. Like that's obviously the best case, but if that best case comes to fruition, that team probably has what it takes to make a run at the cup. I mean, the game, the game of hockey, it doesn't start and end with defense, but it's a lot easier to find forwards than it is to find defenders, at least when you're talking about good ones. There's what? Six top six forwards. There's two top two defenders. Do the math. Do the math. It's a lot easier to hit free agency and find a guy to fill your top six than it is to find a guy who will slot into your top two. I love the move by Stevie. Don't get me wrong. I I was looking for Eklund. I wanted a forward. You do need goals to win hockey games. That's just a fact of the game of hockey. That's the rules. I didn't create them. That's just how it is. You need to score goals to win games. But on the flip side, if the other team never scores any goals, you're also never going to lose. So I I don't mind Stevie's logic there. I like the blue line. I like just, I like the idea of coming into this rebuild, the Red Wings downfall, especially those last few years where Ken Holland was just like kind of mortgaging the future just to make one more playoff appearance, just one more shot, one more time. The weakness of all those teams was the blue line, the staring weakness, at least when I would watch those teams, my thought every fucking year would be when we'd get booted in the first round was are, we give up like a thousand good chances a game. I don't even know how we make the playoffs doing shit like that. I like Steve Eiserman's attitude of going into this rebuild and going into this draft. A, in his mind, I, I, I think they just took the best player, but also B, the defense was the worst part about this team not too long ago. Probably still is. Well, I don't know. Maybe not this past year, but coming into this rebuild, the defense was the weakest part of this team. Um, he knows too. It's hard to find elite defenders. We're going to make sure defense isn't a weakness of this team going forward. I respect that attitude. I respect that mindset. It makes sense. Just figure out the defense and the rest will take care of itself. With the 15th pick, they traded up, got goaltender Sebastian Kosa. Now, now, this is where it gets a little interesting. I think this is where people probably have a little bit more to say as far as the Wings draft goes. Jesper Wallstead, by all accounts, was the number one goalie in this draft. That's what I heard. That's what I read. That's I, I thought he was going to be a potential guy to go at the sixth spot. Steve being well-connected, being Steve Eiserman, kind of twisting guys nuts and getting answers. I'm sure he pretty quickly realized, okay, that like neither goalie's going in the top 10, so we don't have to worry about that. We'll figure it out later in the draft. And that caused him to trade up. Obviously interesting that he traded up and took the other guy in Kosa. Few things. One, the trade-up's interesting. 
Um, there obviously is a case to be made. None of us will ever know. He probably, by how it was shaking out, like if Minnesota is the only other team that's going to take a goalie, unless they were convinced there was another team that was going to take the second goalie, which I'm sure they must have been, probably could have hung around at 23. Wallstead went at 20. Probably could have hung around at 23 and snapped up one of these guys. Probably. But if you're Steve Eiserman, you got good intel. Someone else wants a goalie. You don't want to risk it. You want to move up, take your guy, and be done with it. Again, and Stevie, we trust. And Stevie, we trust. I don't blame him. You got your guy. You know what you want. Fucking go and get it. You can make it happen. Make it fucking happen. I respect that. I respect that. At least he's got a plan. I've said the same shit before talking about um, Michigan State when Mel Tucker came in. At least he's got a plan. At least he's got an idea of what it is he wants to do which I can respect. Kosa, I don't know, like as the player, don't know much about him. I know he's enormous, 6'6", athletic guy. (laughs) That seems fucking good. (laughs) That seems fucking great. His numbers were absolutely out of control in the WHL this year. Uh, Shortened season because of COVID. I think he only played like 17 or 18 games, something like that. But his his goals against average was in the ones. His save percentage was like .94 or something. Just ridiculous numbers. Like, fucking better than video game numbers. Andy's 6'6", Andy's athletic. Yeah, Steve, let's fucking take a spin on the roulette wheel. Why not? And again, kind of falling into that same philosophy that I think he he may have been employing with the defenseman is similarly to defense being the weakness of those, those last few playoff appearance wings teams and into the rebuild. Goaltending, same shit. Just talked about it at the top with the Nadelkovich trade. All we got are aging goalies and young guys who don't look like they're going to become what we need. He said, we're going to finish up taking care of the defense tonight, and we're going to finish up the goalie rotation tonight. Now we have a 25-year-old in Nedeljkovic who it's his net for the next at least at least two, three, four, probably five years. And then when Kosa, 22, 23 years old, we'll see how he's coming along. Worst case, we got a dynamite one-two punch. Best case, Kosa becomes Vasilevsky and, and Nadelkovich becomes a standout backup. Like, I, I again, I like the philosophy of we don't have shit for goalies two days ago, and by Thursday night, the goalie situation in, in Detroit's taken care of for the duration of the rebuild, assuming we keep Nadelkovich around and things like that. But as it stands, the goalie situation and the defense situation are taken care of. Now, easier said than done. But all you got to worry about if you're Steve Eiserman is scoring goals, finding a few forwards, getting a top one center, getting some more top six guys to surround guys like Larkin, Raymond when he comes around, et cetera, et cetera. I like the philosophy. Sure, maybe you could have gotten a goalie at 23. Sure, maybe you liked Wallstead over Kosa. If Steve Eiserman liked Kosa over Wallstead, I, I, I'm going to tend to trust Steve Eiserman and his eyes and his knowledge of hockey and goalies and pretty much everything that revolves around the game. If he wanted them, he took them fucking great. The goalie situation's figured out. We got our goalie of the future, and we got our goalie of now. The defense situation's figured out. We have more than enough pieces on the blue line, which in turn, when the time comes, I'm sure will be considered in being able to acquire more elite forwards. Like, the cupboard, the cupboard is stocked on the back end, and I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. Now he can put all of his focus towards developing our young forwards, maybe perusing the free agent market as far as forwards go. Now, 
now when a guy, the next Jack Eichel becomes available, maybe Steve puts in a phone call. So as far as the draft went, wanted the goal score trading up less than ideal. I like the Edvinson. I like taking a goalie. I like the potential of this kid. I'll give him a B. Like, I don't mind it. And Stevie, we trust. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Last thing I want to mention about the Red Wings. Obviously, um, free agent starts today, Wednesday at noon for the NHL. All kinds of shit's going down. It's been going down. Trades left and right. Um, Seth Jones, Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman, got dealt to Chicago along with pretty much every other valuable piece that they have. Zach Wierenski is the lone survivor in Columbus. Elite, elite, elite defenseman. Top five in the game. Guy's a fucking animal. I went down a rabbit hole on uh, on Twitter yesterday. I'm just, you know, scrolling along, reading about hockey, trades, whatever. I come across something. These two guys, like a podcast or maybe like a ESPN hockey show, something like that, talking about how Zach Wierenski, quote unquote, has made it known, I don't think to Columbus quite yet, but to his agent, that one day he wants to play in Detroit. He will be a Detroit Red Wing. I went down another rabbit hole because I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Wierenski, when the fuck did he say he wants to play in Detroit? I must have missed that. Go down. Google search. Wierenski, Detroit. What the fuck's going on? Find another clip from another podcast a few months ago. A guy said he had talked to one of his buddies who's an NHL GM and said, Zach Wierenski will be a Red Wing. Mark my words. (sighs) Are you fucking kidding me? How did I miss that? Are you fucking kidding me? So now we look into Wierenski. Now the the investigation continues. Wierenski will be a UFA in two years. So as it stands in two years, Steve Eiserman will make him an offer he can't refuse as Stevie does. And Wierenski will be lacing up at LCA every night. But I got to thinking, all right, if you're Columbus right now, you're shipping off everything. You have, you just got rid of Seth Jones, Panarin, you left exposed. Like, they, they seem to have no interest in in competing or, or trying to win the cup or do anything that like would even vaguely resemble the idea of winning the cup this year. If you're Columbus right now, you know Wierenski's made it aware in two years when he's a UFA, like Detroit's going to be the number one option. Like you're shopping Wierenski right now, right? You just dealt Seth Jones to Chicago. You, you got to be shopping Wierenski if you're Columbus. So why doesn't Steve make a move for him this year? Like, what are we fucking waiting for? You know, you just traded for Nick Letty, right? You just brought in a guy who Mantha didn't fit our window and he was 26, but this guy's 29 and he's a good player. So I don't know if you're necessarily tanking, like you're not adverse. If you're Steve Eiserman, he's not adverse to taking on talented players that will make this team better, that will cause them to win more games. So why not make a run at Wierenski? If he said he wants to play in Detroit, we got GM saying, mark my words, he will be a Red Wing. Why are we not making a run? If if I'm a fucking GM of another team and I see a podcast clip where he's saying, I'll be a, or like, I want to be a Red Wing, whatever, I don't have any interest in trying to make a trade for him, right? So Columbus now is kind of shit out of luck. I wrote this blog today. Either two years, you let him walk for free and he comes to Detroit, or right now, he doesn't want to go anywhere else in two years. Wherever you trade him now, he's still going to want to sign in Detroit. Fucking trade to Detroit. Call Steve Eiserman, pick up the phone, and get something done. 
I can't stop thinking about it. It makes too much sense, obviously, for the Red Wings. For fucking anyone with a brain, it makes sense to add Zach Wierenski. Like I said, dude's a stud. Maybe you can throw in one of those prospects, okay? I guess maybe not Edvinson because you just drafted him, but like a Wallander, like Tyler Bertuzzi and William Wallander, you throw him in there, give us Zach Wierenski, maybe a third, maybe you sweeten it with a pick. Like, I'll do that all day if I'm Detroit. Bertuzzi, Wallander, and a third, two seconds. And Steve can play a little hardball because what's he, what are they going to do? Trade him somewhere else so he just signs in Detroit anyway? No, none of the other GMs are going to allow that shit to happen. So we got CBJ in between a rock and a hard place here. Wierenski wants to be a Red Wing. You just added guys. You added Nick Letty, who's going to make the team better and win more games. So you're not tanking. You're not against the idea of adding talent. Fucking pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Bring in a guy. We'll win more games. We'll season Mo Sider even more. We'll start to establish a little bit of a winning culture. Like, get guys around other guys like Zach Wierenski. Have your players that maybe aren't studs. It's probably better for their progression and their careers to play every day with guys that are studs. I'd love to see Eisenman make a move for Wierenski. Dude's name is tough to say. Especially in the midst. There's Every time I refresh Twitter, there's a new trade. Steve, it's the holiday season, baby. Get in on the action. Pick up the phone, call Columbus, and demand Zach Wierenski. All right. That's all I got on the Red Wings. A lot of shit on the Wings. I'm excited to watch them this year, dude. I fucking, God, I love that team. When I get back, we'll spend a couple minutes on the Tigs. Um, not a ton to talk about, I guess. And then we'll do a little bit on Cade. We'll do a little bit on the Lions, and we'll do a little bit on MSU. I mean, there's not a ton to say on any of them. I've kind of dove into Cade already. But we'll just talk about it, gloss over it, get the minds right for tonight. Quick break. We'll be right back. All right, let's start with the Tigs. Last week, it's come to a screeching halt as they've lost the last four. <laughs> oh, man. All good things must come to an end, I guess. Last week, they fucking ripped off 8 and L. We got Dave Portnoy tweeting about them. My boy Castellani's getting viewership, going to work, making friends, tweeting about him, having the time of his life, I'm sure. It was fun to watch. I tuned in out of those eight wins for like five of them, I want to say. Fun to watch the Tigers. Like, even though they're losing now, I watched the end of their game. They lost in extras yesterday, which sucked. But, like, I've said it before on here, and I guess that's probably why I'm not going to spend much time on, on them today. But they're, like, not that bad. It's so fun to watch them be competitive, even if they are going to lose a few after they win a few. It's still fun to watch them be in games. It's fun to watch young players at Kilbadu hit fucking bombs. It's fun to watch Casey Mize and Terry Skubal, not so much the other day, shove. Like, it's fun. It's fun to watch the Tigers be good. It's fun to have a team in Detroit that – the positivity and the excitement isn't generated from draft picks and hiring new GMs and coaches. Like it is fun to have a team where when they play the game itself is what makes you excited. Not that, Oh, they'll have the second overall pick, like not hypothetical fairyland horseshit. It's fun to get excited about what's actually happening. I know they've lost a few, but I just want to, I don't know, give them some praise, I guess. Just talk about him for a little bit. A.J. Hinch, man. I don't know how much credit can be given to him as far as, like, how they're playing because, again, like, 
Casey Mize is the one throwing the pitches. Akil Badu, Jonathan Scope, they're the ones swinging the bats. But A.J. Hinch, whatever he's done, call it coincidence, call it whatever the fuck you want to call it, I don't care. Man, if this dude is is pulling together like runs like this with this Tigers team, a team that I think most people thought was going to be an afterthought, just completely irrelevant before this season started, like gunning for another top five pick. And here we are, middle of the AL Central. Not that that's anything to fucking pull your dick out over, but you know what I'm saying. The fact that he's doing things like this with a team like that, now I get to thinking about some hypotheticals with the Tigers. What are they going to look like? Like, what are we going to be doing when we get some of these studs up here? What are we going to be doing with Torque and Green and Dingler are hitting bombs at Comerica? What's it going to be like when this Jackson Job kid makes his debut? What's it going to be like after we throw the fucking bag at Carlos Correa this offseason? They're in a they're in a nice spot. They are in a nice fucking spot right now. It is very refreshing. It's going to be it's going to be like a, a movie where everyone's just stabbing, like a Game of Thrones episode this offseason when Chris Illich has to put his money where his mouth is. It is going to be a Game of Thrones, like Peter Baelish little finger levels of people just getting stabbed in the back. Like if if this offseason comes and goes. And Chris Illich doesn't even make an offer to guys like Correa, Trevor Story, or Corey Seager. If this offseason comes and goes and that doesn't happen, there is going to be hell to pay from the owner of the Detroit Tigers. Now's the time. It is the far and away weakest spot of the team at probably the most important position on the team. Okay. And there's three elite ones, one of whom, one of whom. Your manager managed and won a World Series with. Cheating, whatever, fucking I don't care. They're in Detroit now. If, if you're going to win and you cheat and you don't get caught, I didn't say it, but I'm saying it. I'm cool with it. But let me see some dubs. Let me celebrate one time. That's all. That's all. If Chris Illich doesn't make a move, there's going to be hell to pay as far as the Tigers are concerned. And honestly, after watching this, I may have tweeted this, after watching that little run, that they rip eight games in a row off, they're just curb stomping the Rangers night in and night out. If you're Chris Illich sitting at home, sipping on a whiskey sour, watching that shit, how does it not make you want to throw the bag at someone? Like, you got to be having the same thoughts I'm having, Chris, where it's like, Hinch is doing this with these guys? Well, fuck. Now I have to go get Correa. Imagine what he'll do with him. That has to be the thought process. And I I say a little prayer every night before I go to bed, hoping that it is. Um, Cade, Pistons, 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 Pistons. Cade's going to be a Piston tonight, folks. <laughs> We've take, Can we do a deep breathing? Just one time. In through the nose, out through the mouth on my count. One, two, and... Cade... Cade Cunningham, one and the same, the Oklahoma State guy. He's going to be a Detroit Piston tonight. I can't believe we made it. I said it at the top. It feels like it's been a year that we've known we've had the number one pick. It's fucking crazy that the night's here. I'm so happy that it is. I'm so happy that it is. Enough of these horseshit rumors. Oh, OKC made them a godfather offer. Oh, apparently they're very interested in Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. 
Oh, apparently Weaver's exploring all of his options. I'm going to try to be quick. I went in, Nick and uh, Eli and I went into, into depth on this last week. Troy Weaver's doing his job, okay? If if he says, yeah, we're taking Cade, boom, eh, forget it, quit calling us, that's not being a GM. Like, what if, the reason you say, maybe we take Jalen, maybe we take this guy, the reason you do that this entire time is because now all of a sudden that dummy who's managing the Rockets or the nincompoop with Cleveland, they go, oh my, oh shit. They might not, they might want to move off Cade. They might move the pick. Shit. Uh, Houston's probably thinking about moving off him. So we should, all right, I'm going to offer him everything we have. That's why you do what Troy Weaver's doing. On the off chance, some idiot offers you everything in his kingdom for Cade Cunningham. Maximizing the value of the pick. That's all it is. I know there's people that are upset, like, enough with this. We're taking Cade, whatever. Just don't be mad at Troy Weaver. I don't be mad at reporters, whatever. Who cares? Don't be mad at Troy Weaver for doing his job well. Okay. Don't be mad at him for doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Don't be mad at him for doing what previous GMs of this franchise that's been a joke for the last 12 years. Don't be mad at him for doing what they wouldn't. Okay. Let's let's not forget how bad things were not long ago. People freaking out on Troy Weaver, say like hosting these guys for workouts. Bro, that's how this shit goes. That's how this shit goes. Like smoke screens, that's the reason there's media around every sports draft every year. If it if it was chalked and everyone came out and said who they were taking, then there wouldn't be a show. There wouldn't be Twitter analysts. Woj wouldn't exist. Like, that's the point. It's gamesmanship. Finding any little edge. That said, I am happy that it's coming to an end. I am happy that it's coming to an end. I, I've, I mean, I've known, I've been saying it's Kate all along, so I've never really been nervous about like shit going down, but I'm happy it's happening because I'm ready to like get moving. I'm ready to just put all this, oh, like hysteria of the draft behind us as fans, certainly, but also like behind the Pistons. Let's get our guy. Let's figure out what exactly we have. Let's get him into Detroit. Let's fucking tell him the deal, give him the rundown to quote Charles Minor, and let's get to work. Like, no more, oh, Cade was spotted in the Tigers game. None of that shit, dude. Let's fucking get him in here, and let's figure this thing out, and let's make the Pistons good. Let's make the Pistons uh, a once, they are an iconic franchise, but a once great franchise. Let's restore, as Weaver would say. Let's restore some greatness one time. Like, get them in and let's get to work, bro. Enough of this bullshit messing around. Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. I'm just ready for this thing to get going. I'm ready for it. And I know people are saying, oh, if SGA and and the sixth was a real offer, I would have taken that. Oh, I can't believe he didn't take that. Oh, man. Okay, fine. Whatever. Everyone has their prerogative. I'm glad Weaver, if that was a real offer, didn't take that. I wouldn't have. Another reason I just want Cade, like if you're screaming right now saying, I hate you, Nick, you're so dumb. Of course you take SGA in the sixth. Let me just explain why I don't want that. I want this this Detroit team, this like new era. We love the draft class last year, Sadiq, Killian, Stu. I want this new core to be our guys. I want them to only know each other. Like I, I kind of love the idea of this being a homegrown team. Okay. I don't necessarily like SGA is sick, no doubt, but I don't necessarily love the idea of 
bringing in a guy who's already bounced around. Was he in OKC and then he was somewhere else, the Clippers, I think, before that? Like, let's not bring in a guy who's going to be our franchise core player who's on his third team before he's 22 or whatever he is. Let's just bring in the guy who's saying he wants to be in Detroit, who's saying he likes Detroit's culture and the attitude of the city, who seems to to be excited about it. Let's go get him, the dude who has potential of Luka Doncic meets Jason Tatum. <laughs> let's go get him, and then let's figure it out with guys that want to be here and have been here and only know Detroit. Let's do that. Besides, the fan part of me is like, how much cooler is it? I talked about this with Giannis too. How much cooler is it when your homegrown guy wins shit? Detroit is such a fucking beautiful city for that too. Like it would be Detroit. If Cade wins one here, it would be Detroit. Like the smallish market teams where it's, they got their guy in the draft. They they went through it for five or six years and then they won with them. That's such a Detroit thing. And the fan in me also wants that. Um, I'm, 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 cats, 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 cats. Just a taste of the lions. Just a taste. Just the itty bitty fucking like when you put your straw in your drink and then you close the top and let that amount go into your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? That amount of a taste of the lions. Football season's coming. I, I hate wishing away summer, but man, oh man, I love, I love football. I love football. I am so excited. I know the expectations around the Lions, not very high, probably for good reason, not expected to, you know, break the playoff curse, host one at Ford Field, do anything crazy like that. I have to say, though, everything I've seen in the offseason about the Lions, everything I see on Twitter, the quote-unquote experts on ESPN say, oh, man, the Lions are going to be competing for that number one pick. Oh, FanDuel odds, the Detroit Lions, they go 0-17. Man, I'd be surprised if the Lions won two games. Okay. I already said it, but I'll say it again so you don't think I'm crazy. I know the Lions aren't going to win a playoff game this year. I know they're not going to win the Super Bowl. I know, like, shit's not going to change overnight just because we have Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. But am I crazy to think that the people saying we're going to go 0-17 are crazy? Saying we're going to go 0-17, I don't know about that. I mean, 0-17, bro, you know it's just as hard to get every question wrong as it is to get everyone right. You know that. 0-17 is fucking bad. That is hard to do levels of bad. And from everything I know about football, whatever, QB for two years in high school, fucking no big deal. Won three games, look it up. No big deal. I mean, I didn't want to have to do that, but I had to. From everything I know about football, when you have a good offensive line, your team tends to be decent. Like, it's 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 a lot easier to score points. It's a lot easier to win games when the offensive line, you just say, okay, we're going to run it to the left, and they move everybody, and you get five yards. Helps. We law, I mean, Lions fans should know better than anyone. Stafford never had a run game. I've never seen a good Detroit Lions run game in my lifetime that I can remember. I'm 24 years old. And that's true. Okay. We saw teams like the Washington football team last year with a guy named Taylor Heineke, like the beer, playing quarterback for them because they ran the ball. 
We saw the Tampa Bay Bucks with 40-whatever he is, Tom Brady, playing quarterback, win the Super Bowl. Yeah, their defense was sick. Yeah, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Because they could run the ball, though. Like, that made it a lot easier. For sure did. For sure did. I I have a hard time remembering teams that were really bad, let alone 0-17 bad, when they do have a good run game. And if you look at Detroit, they don't have a lot of strengths this year. Yeah, the roster's not filled with household names, if any household names. Our best player is our center. But that's the point. The strength of this team, the one position group that could, you know, go toe-to-toe against any of the leagues is the offensive line. I mean, we should, by all accounts, have a top 10 line in the league. Frank Ragnall's elite. Okay. Taylor Decker, like borderline pro bowler at the left tackle spot. And now Penny Sewell, the one surefire Hall of Famer from this draft class, according to draft experts. The best offensive line prospect in 15 years or whatever the other guy said. <laughs> the best O-lineman ever, pretty much, as our right tackle. Okay. And then you look and we got Jonah Jackson at the right guard. And is it Big V at the left or Tyrell Crosby at the left? who played a bunch last year. I know Jonah Jackson was solid. Don't know much about whoever our left guard's going to be. But we have three studs out of five on the O-line. We have a coach who seems like a guy that is going to be obsessed with the idea of running the ball. How is it that the Lions are going to go 0-17 if we're able to run the football? I know Jared Goff isn't Matt Stafford. Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. I know it's not because he was fucking throwing 500 yards a game. I get it. I get it for all the people freaking out. I get it. He still did, though. He still did go to a Super Bowl. Like, say what you want. He fucking did. Yeah, the Rams had a good run game. Okay. What if the Lions have a good run game? Right? Right? Tell me, like, that. that there's a little something there, I think. There's a little something there. What if the Lions have a good run game? Jared Goff did it in L.A., Dude, he can manage. He fucking went to a Super Bowl managing. He can't do it just because he's wearing a lighter shade of blue now? I don't know. Yeah, the defense might not stop anybody to save their lives. And that's going to be the reason we only win like three or four or five games. But to say this team is going to go 0-17 is absolutely fucking ludicrous, dog. It is ludicrous. What do you mean? The offensive line will be a top 10 line in the NFL. Dan Campbell is going to want to run the ball more than anything he's ever wanted in his life. Okay, and Jared Goff, he's done some things that, as much as I hate to say it, Stafford didn't when he's had a good run game. Stafford never had the run game, granted, but still, you give Goff a run game, you make the playoffs is what L.A. showed us. We should be able to give Goff the run game. We'll see. I think I just – it's fucking annoying me, all the people bagging on him. Like, I know we're going to be bad, and hey – I know we probably should be bad. We should want to go 0-17 and take the whoever it is, Rattler or Howell or whoever, and play quarterback. Yeah, we should probably want that. Eh, those guys don't fire me up that much. I like to watch my teams win. It's way more fun, especially football. There's no sport I hate watching my team lose more in than in football. And when you have an O-line like that, Like, these guys aren't going to throw the games. That's all I'm saying. They're not going 0-17. Okay, last but not least, my mouth is so dry, I fucking forgot my water. (laughs) Um, 
MSU, MSU football, Mel Tucker. Don't want to spend a ton of time on this either. Obviously, again, I said it, football's close. I can't wait. I have been thinking about college football, though, specifically a weird amount. Like on days like today, it was like 72 and sunny this morning. The first thing that goes into my mind is like, dude, is it? It's like September, like early September, and I'm in East Lansing, I think. And Mel Tucker is about to whoop someone's ass, right? And then I realize I'm in my house in the suburbs. Mel Tucker is starting to figure it out, recruiting-wise. I can't speak for him too much on the field, but if you ask me, what he did last year, pretty damn good. Yeah, two and five isn't great. You're you're damn right. That loss against Penn State was brutal. The loss against Rutgers was brutal. Yeah, sure. They beat Michigan on the road as like a 24-and-a-half-point underdog or whatever it was. Kicked their ass, might I add. And they knocked off top 10 Northwestern. That's pretty fucking good. What I'm concerned about with Mel right now, I'm not concerned, I should say, or what I care more about to this stage is the recruiting. I came on here a few weeks ago and talked about, I think it was before we got Caden Hauser, the QB, who's, I like the guy, I like him. I like the way he throws the football. It's snappy. He's got a quick release. That thing is tight, and he puts it right where the the ball needs to be. Money season. He, he is a money man back there, just delivering sacks of cash to wideouts. I think it was before we got him. I kind of said, all right, Mel, like he's getting guys, and it is cool that he gets guys from Florida and Texas and the West Coast and the D.C. Like it's cool that he's going to other states. I do like that approach adverse to D'Antonio where he was Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. I like the all-over, go-where-the-talent-is approach. But he didn't have any four-star guys. Like, none of these dudes, like, really blew my dick off, right? Like, no one's really doing that much. But he changed that quickly thereafter. You got Caden Hauser, who's a high three-star QB. And we just got um, Antonio Gates Jr., the son of fucking Antonio Gates. Yeah, that Antonio Gates. Four-star, top 200 player, animal, tall, He's Antonio Gates' kid, if that counts, which I think it probably does because that has to mean something. Four-star, wide out, picked us over Penn State, Kentucky, Florida, someone else. I like being in that group of schools. I like when I see a top five edit on my Twitter feed, and it's four. I'm like, oh, wow, these are really good schools. And then Michigan State shows up. I like being in that company. I think, obviously, branding 101, associate yourself with – with high class. Like, yeah, I like that. And then to get one, yes, Mel. Yes, Mel. Yes, Mel. Yes, Mel. He's starting to figure out exactly what it is we brought him here to do. June, I think the beginning of June is still the first time he's allowed to have kids on campus. So it still hasn't even been two months since he was able to host kids. But man, he's starting to figure it out now that he has. Crystal balls coming in real good players, real good players that are looking at some top tier schools starting to say, Whoa, wait, hold the phone. Michigan state. I didn't take a visit there. Like, okay. I like that. He's starting to figure it out. If this continues, like if, if he finishes this 2022 class strong, I think it's ranked like 30, like low thirties right now. Overall, I, I may be lower since Gates committed. But if he – oh, he also got a four-star tight end. If if it – like he starts to get some guys and rounds out this class strong, and then throughout the season next year, 
he's starting to get some higher end recruits for 2023. We're going to be a little bit of a boogeyman in the big 10. I think so. I think so. The team should be better this year. Again, similar situation to the lions where a lot of people, Oh man, MSU, they're going to finish at the bottom of the East. Are we sure about that? Are we sure? Like we're going to have a decent quarterback situation. I think coming back, Peyton Thorne, Anthony Russo, like whoever wins that competition has to be decent. The defense wasn't all bad last year. I know we lost some pieces, but we added Quavarius Crouch, former five-star linebacker, okay? The four-star kid, freshman who decommitted from USC and signed with us, right? We added like six cornerbacks, one of which from Alabama, another uh, kid from Florida. We added some dudes on the D-line. We added a kid who's a freak on the O-line. Like, I MSU's going to win like five or six games at least, I think. I think MSU is going to actually be decent this year. Not going to knock off OSU. Maybe not Penn State. I don't know what Penn State's supposed to be like, really. But MSU is going to be decent. And if he can swing that and leverage that and start to land, like, hold it. Like, now we're just getting four stars. Now, when we get a three star, like, that's the surprise. If we can start to flip that, or maybe not even to that extent, but he's finishing a class with like 10 four stars, eight, nine, 10 four stars. MSU is going to be a sight to behold, and it's only going to get better if he can start to swing the momentum. He can start to build these classes like one by one, slowly getting better. Kids are taking notice. Kids want to come to MSU. I'm excited, man. It's I love that. It's crazy looking back that I even was like a month ago. Oh, man, where are the four stars when he still had only been allowed to have kids on campus for one month the entire time he's been the coach here. And even I was already like, oh, Mel, are you going to start getting these guys or, or is it just more three stars like D'Antonio? Right when I said that, boom, 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 he just rattles a QB and two four stars off. Just fuck you, Brads. How's that sound? Yeah, I'm down, Mel. I'm down, brother. I'm down. As long as that means we win football games, I'm down, dude. In two months, he's doing. he's done some good stuff. There's still some big fish out there in this class. I'm ex- another month, two months, a couple more names come along. Maybe another five star. I saw a tweet from a guy who's like kind of an insider after Gates committed, and he was like, "Won't be the last four star." Uh oh, eyes emoji. <laughs> oh shit, what's Mel up to? I'm excited. I'm excited. All right, that's all I got today. Um, great day, dude. I fucking love talking Detroit sports. It's like my favorite thing in the world. I, uh, I'm excited for next week already. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Probably the same shit, but I'm excited. Hope everybody had a good time. Hope you have a great day. Cade is a piston this week. Let's go. Think about that one time. We're going to be fired up to watch the piston season opener this year. Like legitimately fucking pumped. Like mark off the calendar in your seat five minutes before tip, maybe even longer type pump. Woo! Let that set in, baby. Cade's going to be a piston this week. Hope everybody has a great day, great weekend. Hope you enjoyed. Keep spreading the word, especially since this is a new one or a new feed. Please like, um, rate it five stars, and leave a review on on the Apple Store or Apple Podcast. Please, I really do appreciate it. And on Spotify, I know you can rate, especially because it's new. Um, keep spreading the word. Keep listening. I uh, I will talk to you guys next week, baby. 